Madam Ambassador, Madam Chairperson, um, ladies and gentlemen, it's a privilege to be here and thank you for the invitation. It's, it's really, um, I'm delighted to be here and to meet some old faces and some new. Um, I've been asked um, to talk about, I just want to see um, which way these are going. Uh, which way does the um, thing go here? The up and down, is it this one? Oh, it is, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so the title of the seminar, A Continental Sarcophage, a commer commemoration of over 100 years of contribution by people of African descent to world freedoms, um, and also asked to refer to the Irish 1916 context. So, um, right, that's a big ask, um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I certainly do not feel in any <laughs> way um, qualified to be answering the question, so I just did my best. Um, going to talk really partly um, from some research I did um, about it, um, and partly from some personal experience over the years, because I realised as I was doing it that, um, you know, I can go back quite a far these days and remember, um, certainly <laughs> for the last number of years, I can remember a lot of the people um, in person that, um, that I've met, which is great as well. So what I've decided to do um, is, to, um, is to concentrate on, on people of African descent, but with an Irish um, link in some way, an Irish context. Um, uh, people who are associated, either lived in or have some contact and connection or were influenced as well um, by their Irish experience, um, just in order to take some kind of theme. So 1916, A Terrible Beauty Was Born, W.B. Yeats. Um, and I suppose I think really um, our... Um, 1916 was about wanting to be who you are. The people in 1916 wanted to be who they are. It's many other things as well, but that's certainly something that it is, which is what most of us want, and that's what um, that's a very core part of what freedom is in the first place. Um, no matter where we are in the world, we want to be who we are. Um, I wondered, and I'll come back to this towards the end, about um, whether the people who were involved, the signatories of the, 19, the Proclamation of Independence, um, what they would have think of the Ireland of today. And I think in some ways they would be happy, and in other ways they wouldn't. But um, I just think it's uh, worthy to note that three of the signatories were actually... Um, not from, um, were not born in Ireland, they were from outside of Ireland. And I think that's interesting, actually, that three out of, out of the signatories were actually not born in Ireland. Um, and I think that would have given them a, a particular kind of perspective as well on life. Um, so, and they were heavily in, in influences, influenced by experiences elsewhere. Um, so, I mean, mainstream nationalism in Ireland was heavily influenced um, by um, global anti-colonialism. Um, and that's something that Ireland has in common with um, a lot of African countries in a way that maybe other European countries don't have. Um, and I think that's um, a very strong connection that, that Irish people can feel um, with African people. That idea of the experience of colonialism is obviously something that gives, um, gives all of us a common um, understanding of, of, of some of these even questions that Sophia has been talking about, some of these questions about identity and reclaiming your identity. And it took a kind of a century for us really to reclaim our identity nearly. Um, so um, I suppose what we asked for there is Ireland through us summons her children to her flag and strikes her for her freedom. Uh, the Republic guarantees religious and civil liberty, equal rights and equal opportunities to all its citizens and declares its resolve to pursue the happiness and prosperity of the whole nation and all parts of its, on all its parts, cherishing all the children of the nation equally. 
Now, um, I'm talking here today really more about the spirit of 1916. Um, what's happening and the commemorations are... Mm, it's complex. Like any history, it's very complex. Um, but what's happening this year is a celebration, I suppose. It's, it, hasn't be, it has been fairly balanced, actually. It hasn't been as sort of... Um, kind of one-sided or the other. It's been quite a complex set of debates. It's kind of better than a lot of us were expecting, I think. Um, but just keeping for today, I just want to talk about the spirit of 1916 rather than anything else. So I'm going to go back and look at some of the early influences of people of African descent in Ireland. Um, so if you look at some of the mythology, and I'm, I'm not an expert in this by any means, but some of you who might, who might have done some work on this yourselves or would like to, there's some very interesting references in Irish mythology to, to black people um, who were here in very, very early times. So some of the stories of mythology, while they were mythology, um, were based on some kind of reality, and um, there's some good work there. But in terms of more recent times, I suppose, in the 18th century, Equiano toured Ireland. He, he toured Ireland in 1791. Now, he actually was a very influential, and he, he actually impacted on, on Ireland of the day very strongly. And it was very, very interesting. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. But it was actually very interesting to hear about him. He, was, um, he had been a slave, and he had bought himself out of slavery. And um, he... Um, he wrote a very, very influential book, which actually sold millions. And um, he was very about his life, about his story. And I think it's something, you know, the impact and you know of his his work on Ireland and debate in Ireland is something actually that I have found very interesting to be reading about in the last few weeks. So thank you very much for for that. Um, so and coming on then to the, I suppose he would be the, as far as I can make out, one of the more well-known people in that century. Um, we're going back a long ways now, and I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. In the 19th century, uh, there was um, um, an African diaspora presence in Ireland um, uh, reflective. There was a lot of people coming into Ireland, um, well, not a lot, but names, and some of these names I certainly would have heard of and they would have registered with me, um, like um, Charles Lennox Redmond, uh, Redmond um, Sarah Parker, Re I thought it was Redmond, William C. Nell, Henry Highland, Garnet, William G. Allen, and Frederick Douglass. They all visited Ireland uh, to advance the cause of black freedom in the Americas in the 19th century. So we're, I'm sorry about some of the typos there, but um, we are going back a long ways here. But again, they were, they were here, they were influential. Um, um, Fred, Frederick Douglass is, is somebody I'm sure uh, most of you will have heard of, or both of these guys you'll have heard of. Frederick Douglass actually um, you know, was, was um, in Cork um, in the 19th century. Um, he, if you go over to the Imperial Hotel, there is a plaque to him, and this is the plaque being, um, there was a kind of a, a visit by uh, the University of Maryland um, in 2012, um, a delegation, there was some kind of work and partnership developing between the University of Cork and the University of Maryland, and they um, put up this plaque to, um, to commemorate Francis, to, um, uh, Frederick Douglass. Um, and I suppose, again, it's, it's just a nice connection. And those who haven't um, seen it, there, there is, um, it's, it's lovely to go over and, and just look at that very early connection um, with somebody. And I'm, 
I'm not talking about all of the African experience in Ireland. What I'm trying to focus on is the question that we were asked to do, which is those who impacted in Ireland who also impacted on freedoms around the world. So it's those Africans who are well known in the kind of social justice um, kind of movements um, that are also connected to Ireland. Um, in the 20th century, um, we had, of course, our newly independent Republic of Ireland after 1921. Um, we, had a, we had the immigration of Africans at the early um, 20th century, many of whom, um, a small number, um, I don't know the numbers, but there was a significant number, who came to study at the Royal College of Surgeons um, and other Irish institutions. Um, this was a very small kind of transient population, and um, some of those people did uh, give birth to, um, to, to children, um, and it, many were placed in orphanages, and that, that is a sign of um, purely, and the, the state of the, the, the country at that stage, it was, as you know, our history around orphanages in any case, is, is bad, but you can imagine if you were um, a black child to an unmarried mother in Ireland in the early, um, 20th century, early 20th century, you can imagine what that was like. And actually many, many of them were placed in orphanages. And two examples are Christine Buckley and Paul McGrath. Um, Christine Buckley is actually a personal hero, a heroine of mine. She, um, Christine Buckley was an ad that died only a few years ago. Um, I think it was 2014, was it? Um, anyway, she was an advocate for uh, people who had experienced, um, um, and again, freedom. She was an advocate for freedom, but she was an advocate in particular for people who had experienced um, abuse in, um, in uh, institutional industrial care in, um, in Ireland. Um, and um, I suppose she was one of the leading kind of uh, people who, um, I suppose, her work, I suppose, one of the culminations of her work was the production of the 2000 page of the Ryan Report, which was published in 2009, um, which really laid bare kind of the horror of thousands of children um, who experienced institutional, um, you know, abuse. Um, and she was a very, very important leader in that. She was also founder of the Ashling Centre um, with her friend um, Carmel MacDonnell. Um, burn um, and the centre assists abuse survivors and their families through therapy, counselling and education um, uh, Christine Buckley was selected as Irish and European Volunteer of the Year in 2009 and received an honorary doctorate of laws from Trinity College in 2012 when asked how um, um, you know her, her husband was asked how, how he would like her to be remembered he said as a warrior for people's rights and, uh, and that's the kind of person I've been trying to kind of focus on in preparing for this. Um, she was a, also a warrior for people who were trying to trace their parents. Um, so she, her, her influence and lots of letter writing can be found online as well. Um, I suppose it, it led to an apology, I suppose, by the state, but it took a very, very long time. Another person who's, I'm sure, very well known to, to most of you anyway is Paul McGrath, a very well known soccer player. Um, he actually also grew up in an orphanage um, out of a similar kind of background to Christine Buckley. And um, he writes, um, I, I actually had thought myself that it was, I didn't realise how much discussion is in that book about um, his own identity um, growing up in Ireland. Um, and it's called Back from the Brink. I have read 
not all of it, but a good lot of it. And uh, there's some very, very interesting discussions in there um, about his experiences of racism as a child. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's been a long-term advocate as well for... Um, for um, alcohol abuse, you know, he's, he had problems with alcohol himself, which isn't surprising when you read about his childhood. I think many people don't necessarily know about his childhood. Um, uh, and I'll tell you, I can also say that in my own experience of working with the migrant population in Cork in the 1990s, I can tell you that this man made a lot of hidden and behind-the-scenes contributions, which I still am not allowed to talk about, but an extraordinary contribution that um, a lot of people don't even kind of know about, I think. Um, so um, there's a lot more there, and we don't always associate him maybe with sort of multicultural kind of work as such, but in fact, behind-the-scenes, um, extraordinary contribution. If you want to look at somebody who's um, a very... Um, important link to 1916, it's Marcus Garvey. I don't know if any of you know him, but if you wanted to find the person um, of African descent who was influenced mostly by the 1916 rising, it's Marcus Garvey and his influence then in his own country when he went back to, uh, he was a Jamaican political leader. Um, he actually was a volunteer in the 1916 rising and um, he, was, he was very, very strongly influenced by everything that he, he learned here in Ireland from um, uh, you know, Easter 1916 and that entire time, or even before that, in fact. He was actually founder of, I have to read this, the Universal Negro Improvement Association and African Communities Imperial League, um, UNIAACL, um, the first national hero of Jamaica, um, and again, very influenced by his experience here. Um, he would have been very closely involved with Padraig Pierce, Robert Emmett, Roger Casement, and Eamon de Valera. Um, he had lived for a while in, in England as well. Um, and after coming back to, going back to Jamaica from Ireland, um, one of his first official acts was the creation of this um, UNIA. Um, and there's a lot of ways in which he echoed what he had learned in Ireland. Like, for example, the Irish race at home. And, you know, the, the, he repeated, you know, he'd of, you'd often hear the slogan, the Irish race at home and abroad. Um, he used a lot of the kind of slogans that he learned here. And he, he also, a lot of the ways of organising and the ways of doing things. He, he was very, um, he's somebody who, I suppose, as far as I can see, has, as an African, a person with an African descent, is the closest to 1916 and the effect that that had on him and how he brought that experience to his own, his own place. Again, very influential. He was also set up um, a shipping company, the Black Star Line, which he, um, he actually got that name from, you may, if you go down to the Titanic exhibition, you'll hear about the Green Star Line, the Irish one, he actually, again, it was, um, he was just very excited about um, the, the Irish experience, I suppose, and this was actually a shipping line which promoted the return of the African uh, diaspora to their ancestral land. So, again, very highly influential person as well. Um, and uh, the writer, um, Geoffrey Philp, says, to say the Easter Rising of 1916 had a profound effect on Garvey would be an understatement. Okay, I'm sure most of you who know of um, um, Kader Asmal, or I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrongly, 
Um, so again, a very strong. Um, he was a founder of the Irish um, anti-apartheid movement. He's Indian, South African. He was the founder. I actually would have met him many times and was very influenced by him myself as well as younger when I was younger. He was very strong in, uh, in the Irish anti-apartheid movement, which was a very strong movement here in Ireland. It's lovely to see um, the newspaper, the Skipperine Eagle, which is a very local Cork one, you know, um, talking about him um, on his death and giving an obituary. And a very good article, in fact, a very informative article. Um, okay, um, again, in the Independent, says that he was the man who kept the anti-apartheid flame alive in Ireland. Um, again, we were very, um, most of you will know, so I'll just go quickly over it, but the, uh, the apartheid, anti-apartheid movement was the, we had the Dunn Stores workers, but here with them actually you have uh, Nimrod, and I'm sorry about this time, but Sidyaki, I don't know whether any of you have, have heard of him, but he actually um, was here in Ireland as well, he was in ex- exile from Ireland, in Ireland for a while, he, he actually um, lived here for quite a while and he shared the cell with, um, with uh, Mediva as well. Um, so again, um, um, Mandela's came to, to visit Ireland three times. He was in June 1990. He was awarded the Freedom of Dublin. In 2000, he received an honorary degree from Trinity. And in 2003, uh, he spoke at Croke Park at the opening of the Special Olympics. All very highly moving occasions. And his own address, Mandela's address to Doyle Aaron, um, the very fact that there is today an independent Irish state However long it took to realise the noble goals of the Irish people by bringing it into being confirms that we too shall become a free people. We too shall have a country which will, as the great Irish patriots said in the proclamation of 1916, cherish all the children of the nation equally. So I think it's lovely to have that um, from Mandela in our, in, written into our Doyle records. Um, one kind of funny thing was that um, Ireland um, was very successful in, in the World Cup. In the, you think we had won the World Cup in 1990. And, um, okay, I'm being told to stop. But um, he came back, um, he came, um, the, 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 the team came back to, to Ireland at the same time that Mandela was here. And um, so I suppose that's why you'll hear a lot of the expression, Ua Paul McGrath's da. Uh, they were kind of in Dublin at the same time. So um, that actually was, came from the President's Mary McAleese's daughter who started uh, that chant, uh, and it was actually quite funny. Um, another um, Afrikaners was Marius Schoon, somebody who influenced me very strongly myself, who was very involved in, in the anti-apartheid movement in Dublin as well. Um, uh, Kedar Ajmal also founded the um, Irish Council for Civil Liberties, and you will all know the story of Ken Sarawiwa, who has a very strong um, um, impact, um, a very strong um, connections with Ireland, which we can maybe talk about afterwards. Um, we won't go into maybe Enda Kenny's N-word, um, but I just wanted to put in the connection with Patrice Lumumba, who's one of my heroes as well. But, um, and another person to whom I owe possibly everything I know, Sharon Murphy, um, who recently um, won uh, or was involved in Britain's Got Talent, so you may know her from that. She was another person who was brought up in institutional care in, in Ireland. Um, she was very influential here in Cork at a, an early stage of migrant support where she did training with all of us for a number of sessions, and that was very, very good. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll talk more about the 1990s and the early 2000s because I can see that I'm being told to um, stop. <laughs> um, and I'll come back to that afterwards and share some of those experiences. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Sorry we had to cut short there. Um, we're back on time. 
I would like to welcome our next speaker, Mrs. Noma May. She's a human rights activist and social work trainee. She'll be talking about safeguarding our children. Mrs. May. Thank you.